Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Well, today I want to, I want to continue to talk to you around the subject, if Jesus had a church today. I started um, a message two weeks ago and began to talk to you around this idea. What would it be like if Jesus had a church today? What would it be like if you went to Jesus's church? What would it look like? What would it sound like? What would it feel like? What would the atmosphere be like if it was the church of Jesus? If Jesus was a pastor today, no one else would be a pastor because everybody would be at his church, right? If Jesus, oh, I really want us to, to begin to, to think this way and think about this because it's, I, I think it's such a great thought. If Jesus had a church today, what would it really look like? I think every person in this room, we would all agree that if Jesus had a church, if Jesus had a church today, if there was a way that a church should look like, if if it was if it was the model that Jesus would put on the earth, that that we would want our church to look exactly the same, that we would want Renew Life Church Lubbock to look like the church that Jesus would have, that we would sound like Him, look like Him, think like Him. I mean, can you imagine the people that would would be going to Jesus's church today? You think about it in Scripture. Jesus ticked off a lot of religious people, didn't he? Because they couldn't believe who he was talking to. They couldn't believe who he was hanging out with. They couldn't believe that he went to Zacchaeus' house. I mean, the guy's 5'2". Why would you go there? He, he stole from people. I mean, this is a, this is a, why would he go to Zacchaeus' house? So Jesus was constantly hanging out with people who needed him. And I kind of wonder today if the body of Christ would be okay with the people who would come to Jesus's church. If we were to peer in and look, who would we see and what would we see? Two weeks ago, I came out of the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. How many of you are familiar with that story? We remember that Jesus was going from Judea to Galilee and he stopped in Samaria and he had this conversation with this Samaritan woman. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know the background between Jews and Samaritans, they did not like each other. In fact, some would go as far as to say they hated one another. They, they were nothing like one another. They differed in every area that mattered. They differed religiously. They differed uh, politically. They differed culturally. They just lived completely opposite of one another. They did not like being around one another. In fact, some devout Jews, it said that they would not even walk through the town of Samaria because they, they felt like if they walked through the town, they would become defiled. They'd become unrighteous. Can you imagine? Can you imagine not going through a town, not driving through a town? Like, Psh, I'm not going through La Mesa. That's a, ain't nobody want to go through there anyway, but I'm going to catch something if I go through La Mesa. That's how, that's how, they, that's how they felt about going through this town. And here Jesus is sitting at the well and this Samaritan woman walks up to him and he looks at her and says, would you give me a drink? He said more with that statement than we could ever imagine. Because you know what he said to this woman? He said, you belong in conversation with me. He said, I accept you despite our differences. You're actually accepted in my kingdom. And I believe if Jesus had a church today, 
he would want a church that would welcome people who were different than we are. Jesus would, Jesus' church would look like a congregation that didn't look like one another. He would have a, a body of Christ that were completely different. Yes, they would even differ politically, maybe even sometimes culturally. There would be people who did not look like one another. Like I said two weeks ago, there would be Wranglers and skinny jeans in Jesus' church. There would be iPhone users and Android users in Jesus' church. There would be black and white and everywhere, everywhere in between. There would be Republicans and Democrats. There would be, there would be, are y'all ready? Are y'all sure? Go ahead and take a deep breath. There would be vaccinated and unvaccinated people in this church. There would be mask wearers and mask haters in this church. Because his church would not draw lines in the sand that he didn't draw. His church would understand that even if we differ, we love one another. His church would understand that it's more important to rally around the thing that we have in common than the things that we don't have in common. They would realize that, that everyone is welcomed into the house of God. In fact, what they would realize is that church is kind of really messy at times because it's full of imperfect people. But we welcome them anyway. Come on, if you have tattoos, say amen. You needed that right there. This is the kind of church that I believe Jesus would have. Now, I can't say that without going to say that am I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that we, we just accept sin in the body of Christ. That we just let people live however they want to live. That there's no standard that we live by. No, in fact, I, I believe completely the opposite. And if I could just say it in one statement, here's what I mean. We don't accept sin, but we always accept the sinner. If there's any place that they need to be, it's in the house of God. Someone say amen. We see that Jesus, through the story of the woman at the well, he, he showed us a glimpse of, of what his church should look like and would look like. And so today, I want us to pick up in that story. And I want us to finish this story of the woman at the well. So if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter four. Uh, we'll have it on the screen for you as well. John chapter four, we're going to read in verse 27. It says, uh, before, before I, I get there, I wanted to catch you up real quick and remind you of an important part of the story. If you remember Jesus, when he stopped in Samaria, you remember why his disciples left? He sent his disciples to go get some food. Remember? They were hungry. Jesus was tired and thirsty, so that's why he was seated at the well. So, his, so the disciples had left to go grab some food for Jesus. And here's where we pick up. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see, see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, catch this. He said, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Interesting statement by Jesus. 
Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. <clears throat> then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. Isn't this amazing? Here we have another group of Samaritans coming to meet a Jew, Jesus, and, they, and, and he welcomed them so much and made them feel like they belonged so well. They said, hey, come back to, come back to town with us. Come back and talk, stay with us. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Uh, today, I want to title the message, you got to pour out to fill up. You got to pour out to fill up. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you that you lead us and you guide us every time into truth. We pray that, that, that you would be exactly who you are to us today. You would be the helper, that you would help us. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal yourself, reveal the kingdom, reveal the things of God to your people today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I wanna ask you this question this morning. Um, do you have something in your life that you love and other people just don't get it? They just don't understand why you love what you love. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, um, like for instance, like all, all the ladies in here, you don't understand how possibly your, your husband could love golf that much. See, I got a real, a, an amen from a golfer over here, right? It's like there's things in our life that we love that other people just don't get. I uh, just, just recently, I, if, if you follow me on Instagram, and no, that's not a plug to follow me on Instagram, no one follows me anyways. I got like 75 followers. Um, so I'm on Insta- I, get, I get on Instagram. We're leaving, we're leaving our home church the other night. And we didn't, me and my wife Natalie didn't get to eat before we went. And so when we got done, where's the only place that you go after home church? Chick-fil-A. Thank you. Thank you. Real Christians over here. All right. You go to Chick-fil-A. And I was hungry and saw so I pull in the drive-thru and get my spicy chicken sandwich and my large fry. And nobody waits to get home before you start eating the fries. Come on, y'all aren't that disciplined, right? So I'm reaching in there. I'm grabbing my fries. And I pull out something that should never, ever have been in my fries. You know what that is? It's not anything gross. It's there all the time. It's there for you. It's what I like to call the potato butt. <laughs> See, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's that stupid thing that's in your fries that doesn't deserve to be there, right? It's, it is, it is in, in my opinion, those, they're disgusting, right? Do I eat them? Yes, but they're disgusting. <laughs> it's just more Polynesian sauce that I can get into my body, right? But, but I, I, was, I had this epiphany as I'm driving home. I'm like, you know what? I'm about, to, I'm about to be like Dan. I'm about to change the course of history forever. I'm going to post a video on Instagram, and Chick-fil-A is going to hear about it, and they're going to eliminate the potato butt. This is where my faith was at. This is what I really wanted in life. I felt like it was, it was where the Lord and the Holy Spirit, it's what he was on at the time. 
And so I get on, I begin to talk about the potato butt, like how bad it is. And, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do a survey. I'm going to do a survey of, of, of people who like the potato butt or not. And in my head, I'm thinking nobody likes it. But I put on, you know, you can, you can kind of do the surveys on Instagram. And, um, and I got like, there was like 250, 300 people, I think, voted on this thing. And to my utter shock and disbelief, over 30% of people like the potato butt, which means over 30% of the population needs deliverance. There's, if you're in here and you like that, there's something the matter with you. I'm just, that's all I'm saying, okay, right? Like, I even had people <clears throat> reach out to me and they said they wished all their fries were the potato butts. And I said, how dare you talk to me like that? <laughs> Find someone to lay hands on you quickly, sir. <clears throat> I couldn't believe it. It's like, there are, there are things that some people love and I just, I literally just don't get it, Right? We see this a lot in our marriage too. If you're married, you, you understand this concept of there's some things you love and your spouse just doesn't get it. I remember um, this, was, this was happening probably six or seven years ago in mine and Natalie's marriage. I, would, I, was, I was working out really, really hard at the time and I would always come home and I would tell her about my workouts. I'd be like, oh, today, me and Blake, we crushed it. We crushed it. We did like... 400 reps on biceps. I would just make up a number, right? And we're like 30 reps here and drop sets over here. And man, we did squats and we did this many reps. And I would just talk to her about all the exercises and the reps that I did. And, and I kept doing it and kept doing it. And finally, I just began to watch what she was doing as I was talking to her. And she wasn't paying attention to me at all. And one day I said, are you, are you even listening to what, do you even care about what I'm saying? And she looked right back at me. And she said, No. No, I literally could not care less about your, your workout. Please, actually, if you would, please stop talking to me about your workouts. They mean nothing to me. You're not turning me on. I don't think that you're better. This, this is, it actually would work, would work better if you didn't talk to me about this. So I did what every good husband does. I, I listened and I talked about it for another year and then I let it go. There's things that we love and other people, they just don't get it. This is what we see in the story of the woman at the well. All throughout this encounter with Jesus, all the people that were surrounding Jesus in this story, truth be told, they just, they just didn't get it. Remember the woman's response? Jesus says, will you give me a drink? And she says, why would you ask for a drink from me? Why would you be talking to me? See, she just, she didn't get it yet. In fact, there was another instance he said, you know, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for water. It's, and it's a living water. And if you drank the water I gave you, you would never be thirsty again. And you know the woman's response? She said, but you don't even have a rope or a bucket. What, how could you get this water? She just, she just didn't get it. And then here we have what I want to talk to you about today. We have the disciples. They've just gone off to go get Jesus some food because Jesus told them to do it. Jesus said, I'm hungry. I need some nourishment. And then they come back and they say, Rabbi, here's, here's, here's your potato butts. No wonder he didn't eat anything, right? No, here's, here's your food. And he says, I'm good. He says, I'm a, I have a food that you don't know anything about. 
And disciples said, what did they say? What was their response? Who brought them, who brought them food while we were gone? They just, they just didn't get it. Can we not relate to these people? How many times have you heard something from God or opened your Bible and you're just like, Jesus, I love you, but I just, I just don't get what you were saying. They just didn't get it. But Jesus does this all the time. You know what he does? He takes things in the natural so he can com communicate a supernatural principle. And, and, and he, he grabbed this, this moment with his disciples and said, I want you to learn something. And we pick up in verse 31. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, here it is. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You want to know what Jesus was trying to communicate to his people? What he was trying to communicate to you and me? What he was trying to communicate to his disciples? Is that you getting fed, you getting nourished, true satisfaction in our life doesn't come from us feeding ourselves. It actually comes from us feeding other people. That the satisfaction and the fulfillment that we are looking for in life it doesn't just come from a good message. It doesn't just come from all the self-help books that we can read. It doesn't just come from us opening up the word of God and digesting it and reading it. No, no, no. Our nourishment actually comes from that and by loving and serving other people. Isn't this just what Jesus had done? He had just, he was hungry, he, but then he ministered to this woman. So much so that she fell in love with him and ran back and told everybody about him. And by the time the disciples get back, Jesus isn't hungry anymore. We see all throughout scripture that loving and serving other people is what we were made for. It's what we were actually called to do. But I'm not sure if you've ever realized the fact that one of the ways that you actually get fulfilled in life is by actually doing it. Now, one of the ways that we, we get nourished in our soul and in our spirit is actually by pouring out. You see, you gotta pour out if you wanna fill up. If, you, if you're looking to fill up today, you should be looking to pour out because there's nothing more satisfying and there's nothing more gratifying than actually loving and, and, and actually pouring out what you have on the inside into other people, blessing them, encouraging them, speaking a word over them, prophesying over them, laying hands on them. You see, there's something that happens when we, when we, we shift our mind over to the fact that, oh yeah, I'm not just here to get mine. I'm here to get someone else's for them. You see, if Jesus had a church today, I believe his people would understand that they got to pour out to fill up. What this means in the context of church is that a well-fed church is not a church where the preacher is amazing. It's a church where there's ample opportunity to serve others. A church that looks like the church Jesus would have can I just say it's not all about what comes from this platform? 
Can I say that? Is that okay? I'm saying it. Can I say it though? <clears throat> that means that it's actually not about, it's not all about what comes from this moment when I'm speaking to you. I think in the Western church, the American church, we've, we've got to shift our mindset. And I, and, and I just want to let you in on what we're doing here. I want to establish a culture here at Renew Life that says I'm not just here to get, but I'm here to give. And we see in the American church that, that people, they, they, they want to come and they want to get fed and they want to leave and go, go get some physical food, preferably Mexican food, and go home and then just wait another six days and come right on back to church, get a nice, really, really good, entertaining message, and then go back and do it again. And can I just say, that's not the life that God created you for. He created you for so much more. And if you are living an unfulfilled life, maybe it's because you're, you're, you're just eating and not pouring out. You see, a well-fed church is a church that encourages its members to pour out. And I'm not today, I'm not just talking to you about, I'm not going to give some plug to get on all of our volunteer teams today. That's not, some of y'all who have been in church a long time are like, well, I know where this one's going. Here we go, everyone, where's the cards? They're about to pass out the cards. <laughs> We're not doing that. Is that a way to serve others? 100%. But what happened right here was a way to serve others too. What happened back there was a way to serve others. You know, one of the reasons we, we ask people to raise their hand in church for you to go and lay hands on them, it's not so that we can make it extremely awkward for you. Although it may be right now. And I'll just say this, that's okay. But the reason we do that is because we actually believe that you have something to give. The reason that we do that is because we don't think it's just about the man of God or the woman of God on the platform. It's not just about the good worship leader. Because my Bible tells me that he gave gifts to the church. That every part has something to give. And we believe that it actually brings fulfillment and it actually brings nourishment to you when you serve other people. That's a well-fed church. You know, I know this is kind of a, um, a thing in our culture today because of this one statement I'm about to share with you. Don't raise your hand if you've ever said this because the majority of you probably have. But you know what I hear all the time as a pastor? Yeah, you know, man, I just, I was over at so-and-so's church. I'm just, I'm just not getting fed there. Just not getting fed there anymore. And I'll say this, that actually may be true. That actually may be very true. But I wonder if one of the reasons the church isn't fed well is because they don't understand that in order for them to fill up, they got to pour out. They got to pour out. <clears throat> Jesus told the religious leaders at the time, you know the scripture when they came and they asked him, hey, what, what's the most important thing? What's the most important commandment? What did he say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second one is just as important. I'm not sure that we all believe that statement, right? <clears throat> Do we believe that the second one is just as important where he says, you need to love your neighbor as yourself? 
What I'm saying is, you know, here, here from the platform, you should get a good message. It's okay for you to enjoy church. It's okay for you to enjoy the message. It's okay for you to enjoy worship. My goodness, that's what, I mean, that, yes, amazing. I'm just saying this isn't the complete answer. It's not all about here. This is just 50% of what should be coming out of your life. Because he said, don't just love God, love people. You know, I'm, <clears throat> I, I'm kind of, uh, I'm older in life. I was about to say I'm older in life. I, I just said it, my bad. I am getting older. And um, so now I'm dad, I have three kids. I have, uh, I have coached two of my kids in sports. So just if you would stretch your hands out to me right now. <laughs> I've seen what it's like to, uh, to coach my kids. Um, kind of a, a background about my life is you know, I've been very, very fortunate and very, very blessed to do all the things when it comes to sports. I've got to throw the touchdown pass. I've got to score a touchdown. I've got to hit the game-winning shot on the basketball court. I've, I've got to hit a home run. I've, I've won games. I've struck people out. I've literally got to do all of it. I've had people pouring into me, coaching me. I was the one on the field all the time. I know what it feels like to actually do it. I know what it feels like to run down the field with my hands up high, going crazy, chest bumping, butt slapping, doing all the things, celebrating. It feels, it feels amazing. But over the last couple of years, I've been able to coach my kids. And even though 95% of it was literally hell on earth, <laughs> 95% of it was just brutal. Just do this. No, 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 do, do this. No, you're, you're not doing, switch your hands, you know, no, 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 throw it. I mean, all the things and getting in fights and then hugging it out and then doing all the encouraging things. But 95% of it was miserable, but the 5%, the moment I actually got to watch my kid do what I taught him to do and him actually do it and succeed and then turn over and look at me and smile and I smile back, and I go, I told you so. <laughs> I told you dad knew what he was talking about. Those moments, the moments when I got to do it, pale in comparison to watching my kids do it. You know, I always heard people say that. I always heard people say, oh, it's, yeah, it's good to do it, but man, when you see your kids, man, it's, man, you know that I literally never believed that. You know what I actually thought? Just let me be, just let me be completely transparent. I always thought when people said that, I was like, you were on the bench. You for sure never played. Prideful, yes, I said it's what I used to think. Not now, don't judge me now, okay? I never believed it. I believe it now. What am I saying? I'm saying that true satisfaction comes not from feeding yourself, but from feeding others. Satisfaction. Man, I got to be with a group of guys this week that Dan was talking about. We were in Montana. We were fly fishing. We were having a great time sitting around the fire and just doing man stuff. <laughs> but every morning we'd wake up and worship together. And I watched 
five, six guys get completely wrecked by the presence of God. People getting filled with the spirit, people getting prophetic words, people being honest at the table, sharing what they're really going through. You know what's crazy about this last week? I've never seen this in my life. I got to watch a group of 17 men all began to work in unison and in unity with one another. There was not one person that got ministered to that, didn't, that got ministered one-on-one. You know how it happened? There was always two, three, four, five parts that actually ministered to the one person. And I can I tell you, it was supernatural. It, it was literally seamless. It would be one person would have a word and it would end and another person would just pick back up and just keep going right in line with what the Lord was doing. And, and I got to sit back and watch. And you know what that person needed? It, it, that person needed every single part. It was fascinating about it is God didn't give one person every single part. It's a group of people just feeding one another, serving one another. When I saw that, I said, that's, that's it. That's what the body is supposed to look like. That's what your home church is supposed to look like. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not sitting around. Hear me, because I'm, you know, we're still a brand new church. If you're in this room, God brought you here for a reason. And one of those reasons is for you to help us build, which means that leadership is inside of you. I know that. And what we can't do I want to encourage you right now. I hope this is encouraging. Don't sit around waiting for someone else to do it, Aaron. You're the man. I love you, dude. You're an amazing person. And what God is going to do through you, wow. You're going to walk around this place and lay hands on the sick and you will watch them recover. You will prophesy you will love, you will hug, you will be merciful and graceful to people because he made you that way. There's more. Dan, will you go lay hands on him right now? If you're around him, stretch out your hand towards Aaron. There is more, there is more, there is more than you could ever hope, think, or imagine that is going to happen in and through you. Come on, church. You are, you, you are gonna lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. Prophecy is gonna come out of your mouth. Words of knowledge are gonna come to you in your workplace. You're gonna turn people to Jesus. You're gonna share the gospel. Yes, you, Aaron. Yes, you, Aaron. Yes, you. It's gonna be you. He chooses you. You are chosen on this day right now. He has chosen you in this body to influence it. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that your gifts would just would come up from the surface and begin to flourish out of his life. In the name of Jesus. See, we were, we can't sit around waiting for someone else to do it. It's you. It's you. Come on, say it's me. I'm gonna make you do it again so you believe it. Say, it's me. I believe this is the church that Jesus would have. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads?
Yeah, Jesus, we just thank you for that. We just thank you for that. Thank you that you would choose us. <laughs> we thank you, Jesus, that you would choose us. We just say yes to you right now. We say that we will be the church that Jesus had in mind. We will be a well-fed church because we not only feed on the word of God, but we also reach out and we feed others. We serve others. Lord, I thank you that you did not create us to be reservoirs, but you created us to be rivers. We're not just supposed to hold everything that we get, but we're supposed to pour it out. <laughs> Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to pour out and to pour out. If you just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. <clears throat> you know, in the story of the woman at the well, you notice that Jesus didn't come to her and say, all right, now that I've done some amazing things in your life, I need you to go tell everybody about it. It was actually her reaction to the goodness and the grace of Jesus. It said, I love this part. It said she dropped her jar there at the well and ran and told everybody about Jesus. Hear me today. Your motivation to serve others is not gonna come from a good word. It's gonna come from an encounter with Jesus. It's gonna come from you meeting Jesus. And if you've already met Jesus, if you've already met him, it's gonna come from you doing what the word says and you coming back to your first love. Some of you need to come back to your first love. Remember what it was like. I love that the kid's even laughing in here right now. Remember what it was like when you met Jesus, when he came and he saved you. He saved you. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.